0: Our epistle reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, beginning at, verses, at verse 1. And the title over this section is called The Unity in the Body of Christ. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be
1: to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. John chapter 6, reading from verse 24 to 35. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, When did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And so, Lord, anoint my lips that as I speak, your people hear you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please be seated? But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. I guess most of us have experienced speaking the truth in love at some stage in our lives. Indeed, we've either been on the receiving end or equally likely, the giving end. Remember when your parent or a teacher or someone you looked up to in your youth took you aside and spoke the truth in love to you about an element of your behavior or your attitude to life. Remember when your loved one, your spouse perhaps, or line manager, spoke the truth in love to you About an aspect of your behavior or your attitude, or perhaps even more tellingly, even your attitude to yourself. But it could be, on the other hand, that it's you who's had to speak the truth in love. Maybe speaking the truth in love to your child, your sibling, your friend, someone reporting to you at work who you're managing. It wasn't easy, but you ended up speaking the truth in love to them because you wanted the best for them, for their future, success, happiness, fulfillment. You wanted them to grow into the very best human being they could become. And that's often the case when teachers speak in truth to us, speak the truth in love to us. Speaking the truth in love appears to be an essential part of our growing up as adults into full maturity where we are aware of our weaknesses as well as our strengths but don't allow our weaknesses to distract us from how we think or behave to others. And that's why St. Paul Exhorted the Ephesians in our epistle this morning. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine. By people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And what Paul is saying is that speaking the truth in love is essential for the body of Christ to grow together into Christ. Which means growing into love, growing into knowledge of and emulation of Jesus Christ. Whether from the pulpit or in your house groups or in your prayer groups or in one-to-ones, God will use us to speak the truth in love, to challenge each other about our attitudes our behaviours, our actions. Maybe we'll be challenged about the way we speak to other people or to that other person. Maybe the way we treated them was how we acted in line with what would Jesus do. Remember WWJD? What would Jesus do? Looking back over your own life, You probably know why the truth needed to be spoken in love to you. To take you from immaturity to maturity. Maybe you can think back to your parent or that teacher who had that formational influence on you. So why is speaking the truth in love essential within the church? Essential within the body of Christ? Well, listen again to part of the epistle, this time from the Passion Translation, which I heartily commend to you. And he has anointed some, appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith. Until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end and we will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. So speaking the truth in love is essential for each one of us to become who God planned us to be. One with Jesus. One with each other. Therefore, one with God. God doesn't want sin or our human weaknesses to separate us from him. And it's no surprise that in our Old Testament reading, he sends the prophet Nathan to speak the truth in love to King David. Eden last week showed us masterfully how David fell into sin. He took his ease by resting on his couch instead of going out to war in the spring, as kings were wont to do. He placed himself into temptation's way by being in the wrong place at the wrong moment. And then instead of resisting temptation, gave full sway to it. In echoes of the Me Too movement, King David exploited the imbalance of power between himself as king and the wife of a soldier under him to seduce her into committing adultery with him. Then when she falls pregnant and David finds he cannot avoid being found out because her husband refuses to visit her even when called back to Jerusalem, David then compounds the original sin by effectively ordering the execution of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. So David breaks commandment after commandment after commandment in his drive to satisfy his lust. He covets the wife of another. He commits adultery. He commits murder. It's an extensive rap sheet. No wonder the Bible then says, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David's sin displeased the Lord and our sin displeases him. We may not have committed adultery. We may not have committed murder in the same way that David did. But, lest we rest on our laurels, remember Jesus taught us that we sin in thought, word and deed. To covet in our mind, to commit adultery in our mind, to wish someone dead in our mind are as displeasing to God. As David's actions were. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. Who might God be sending or have sent to you to speak the truth in love? Go back into the past. Remember those people he brought across your path to speak the truth in love to you. Speaking the truth in love is not necessarily easy or smooth. It's not just something that you can just easily do. Going too hard and too blunt and the recipient may put up defences, walls against the truth getting through to them. Love may require not battering the recipient into submission but actually wooing them By enabling them to own the truth for themselves. The prophet Nathan literally does that with David. He could have gone in with full guns blazing at David. You are an adulterer, murderer. You've exploited the power imbalance between yourself and a married woman to have your wicked way. He could have gone in like that, all guns blazing. But imagine saying that to a king who in theory has power of life and death over you. No, Nathan goes in subtly, very subtly. He tells that story of the power imbalance, which Keith read to us earlier, which gets the king worked up in righteous indignation. And Nathan is then able to tap into the gold the gold of humility, he finds that's still there in the king's character, despite the ugly sin that is trying to bury it completely. You remember what Keith said earlier. Nathan came to David and told him the story of two men, one very rich with lots of flocks and lambs and herds, and the poor man who had nothing but one little ewe lamb. And when a traveller, a visitor comes to the rich man, instead of sacrificing one of his thousands of lambs, he takes the poor man's only ewe lamb and kills it. David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing. And because he had no pity. And then Nathan says to David, You are the man. You are the man. Praise God that King David doesn't take umbrage at Nathan, doesn't arrogantly clap him in a prison, in a dungeon, doesn't take offense at being confronted with his behavior. Rather, as you all heard, he repents. Having been spoken the truth in love by Nathan. I have sinned against the Lord. Is that your reaction or my reaction when someone speaks to us in love about our behavior or attitude to them or to others? Or do we take offense or even deny the truth? And become, as they say, economical with the truth. David did not deny the truth. He could have, could have attempted to brush it off. I am the king, I have all power. He didn't attack the person speaking to him in love. On the contrary, he was immediately contrite. Maybe because of the emotional intelligence that Nathan had used for him to understand it was him through that fable, that story of the two men, the rich man and the poor man. David understood deep within and he was contrite and repentant of his great sin. And we know this because he went on to write Psalm 51, that great confessional psalm we used as our confession at the beginning of the service. It still resonates with power and is to be recommended to anybody who is under the burden of sin and guilt who feels that God, God cannot forgive them. Yes, we have an advantage over David and I must point that out. We were forgiven once for all on the cross for sins past, present and future when we invited Jesus into our lives but when we know that we've displeased God by sinning intentionally or unintentionally in thought, word and deed like David our own mortification at stumbling at falling yet again may call us to cry out to God for forgiveness and for the strength not to continue sinning hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities create in me a clean heart O God and put a new and right spirit within me do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit you see in his psalm of repentance David hits on a truth which still occurs in our lives today. That when we sin, we place a barrier up against God. It's like that cloud that suddenly comes across the sky, the beautiful rays of sun hitting your face as you luxuriate, maybe lying on the grass. Suddenly this cloud comes over and cuts off the warmth of the rays of the sunshine. God is still there. He doesn't move away. He doesn't go. But our sin distances us in our minds, in our emotions from him by inducing guilt and shame within us. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. But what's to be done? What's to be done if we end up in that sort of situation that David ended up in? Jesus As always gives us the answer in our gospel reading. He also speaks the truth in love to us. And it's a truth which some of his hearers then did not want to hear. What is that truth? I am the bread of life. If you go to John 6 and follow it, a lot of his hearers did not want to hear him. Who is he? he, Why is he saying, I'm the bread of life? And then even when he goes and says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, some stop following him. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear this truth spoken in love to them. But Jesus is that spiritual food provided by God to give us sustenance daily, to enable us to walk the walk of the Holy Spirit. Just like the manna was given to the Israelites in the wilderness Spiritual food which is necessary for daily living, for living without shame, living without guilt when we stumble is given to us by Jesus because he has already paid the price to forgive us our sins. That as we imbibe of him daily, so we are washed with forgiveness and shame and guilt wiped away. Indeed, as we imbibe of him daily, our propensity to sin must diminish because his presence crowds out that which is of the flesh, that is, which is not of God. We become so intoxicated in love with him, so in love with him that we cannot bear even to be separated by a passing cloud of sin. So we reach out to him once we stumble and say, Jesus, thank you that you forgave me. I don't treat it lightly. But thank you that I'm already forgiven. I want more of you. Restore your spirit within me. The same prayer that David prayed. Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Hearing the truth in love is an essential part of young children growing up. And it's an essential part of our growing into Christian maturity. Hearing that God has to be the firmest priority in our life. Hearing that without His daily sustenance, we cannot fully grow into His will and likeness. I love the the words of knowledge interpretations that came out Hold on to my hand, hold on to my hand, hold on to my hand. That's what it means imbibing the bread of life daily. It's that time of intimacy with him at some time during your night or day. It's taking him into your daily life on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Listening to him when you're having conversations with people and bringing his wisdom and guidance to bear. Hearing that God has to be the foremost priority in our life. Hearing that without daily sustenance from him, we cannot fully grow into his will and likeness. These are all part of learning who we are. One with the triune God who's called us into unity with him. Last night, some of us here joined the New Wine at home and watched New Wine on big screens here. And we were privileged here to watch a talk by Francis Chan. Some of you may know the name. And it just blew two of us apart because we've been talking about the same things early in the week. Do we know what the privilege we have of being united with God, having the Holy Spirit within us? And that's why it behoves us to feed that daily bread, to feed the fire within our bowels, the Holy Spirit, to encourage the Spirit, to proliferate in every area of our lives because it's such a privilege to know and to be united with the God of heaven. We have that privilege. The Spirit of God would rest upon David, but you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. You can do what David did and more besides because you have God within you. It's a privilege we take ever so lightly, but we shouldn't as people of God. Because God is with us. God is in us. And that's why he's having to remind us, hold on to my hands. Listen to me. Listen to me. Let's pray as we finish. Lord, hearing the truth spoken to us in love can be difficult. It can be hard. And speaking the truth in love to others is equally difficult. But we thank you that you are the God of truth and grace. And you call each one of us to be mentors, guardians of each other, pointing the way to Jesus all the time. What would Jesus do? How would he have handled this? Enable each one of us, Lord, to hear the truth spoken in love to us, as well as being prepared to speak the truth in love to others. May we encourage and build each other so that the body of Christ becomes one in you, in perfect love and unity. Amen. and i thought as a offertory as a, f- a prayer we would say the collect together at this stage